talking about the fact that we are the righteous and right ruling is right living. Um, we're taking a pretty bold stand and pretty bold approach um, to the truth. Uh, the truth is that God loves us. He sent Jesus to down a cross to redeem us. And Jesus was full of grace and truth. And not only full of grace and truth, the Bible says he was permeated with grace. So we now understand that Jesus is grace. And grace made available for us salvation. Grace made available for us righteousness. And, and we are the righteousness of God. So the question then becomes, if I'm already righteous, if I am now saved, if I'm healed, if I'm delivered, if I'm prosperous, what then am I supposed to be doing as a Christian? Because for the majority of us, we spent all of our Christian life trying to obtain what Jesus has already provided. Amen? Uh, we've spent our time trying to figure out how do I get healed? How do I become prosperous? How do I uh, hear the voice of God? How do I become righteous? How do I become holy? How do I become worthy? And we've learned all these superficial external things that we could do. Uh, if you dress this way, if you act this way, if you talk this way, if you walk this way, then you will somehow achieve the level of Christianity that you've been uh, looking for. But then we start actually rightly dividing the word and finding out that our spirits are sealed with the Holy, by the Holy Spirit and they are perfect. We start finding out that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Not we're going to be, but we already are. Now, I don't know what seat you're trying to find that's higher than the right hand of God. That's about as high as you can get. Amen? Amen? And that's what we are currently seated at. So once you begin to hear these things and, see, and, and understand these things, you begin to say, well, what else is there left for me to do concerning my Christianity? What else is there left for me to do concerning uh, uh, being right with God? The answer is nothing. Jesus secured all of that. But as Christians here on earth, we have a responsibility. Somebody say responsibility. responsibility. We have a responsibility to continue on the same work that Jesus did that brought us to him. We have a responsibility to spread God's love all around this world so that people will come to know our father. And that's the work we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be spending time doing is literally ministering this gospel of grace all around this world. Amen. We have a responsibility of a ministry of reconciliation. And that's what we should be spending time learning about and spending time executing. Now, there's nothing wrong with having uh, wor uh, worship services or messages that remind us who we are. There's nothing wrong with uh, having times where you're reminded topically that you're healed, that your marriages are secure, uh, that you're, you got the mind of Christ. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But when you make that all that your Christian life is about, all that your worship service is about, all that your outreaches are about is just you trying to get what you need to get, then that's when we're missing God. Amen. And I don't know about you, but uh, I've spent the majority of my life in church and in church without outreach, it's just very empty. It's just very basic. Because you know what it is? 
It's a bunch of saved folk ministering to other saved folk. And, and I didn't see Jesus and the disciples, even though they weren't saved just yet, but I didn't see people who had the truth and people who were the truth just sitting around preaching to each other. Think about it. They would go out and minister to the lost. When you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you see literally people who were the truth, Jesus, and people who had the truth, the disciples, going out and ministering to folks who didn't have them. I said this on, I think it was Sunday and on Wednesday night. When it comes to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I think part of the issue is in the body of Christ is we spent all these years misidentifying with the people in the stories. We keep seeing ourselves as the woman with the issue of blood, uh, the woman caught in adultery, uh, Jairus who needed something from Jesus, uh, the guy who got the demon cast out, Mary who was at the feet of Jesus, you know, being taught. We, we keep seeing ourselves as those folks in those stories. That's who you were before you were saved. But once you receive Jesus into your life, you are no longer the person who is in need of Christ. You are the person who has Christ. You are the person who's united with him. So now you got to go back and reread those stories and reread those parables and reread those things and understand you're now the Jesus in the story. You're now the one who has the truth. You're now the one who has grace available. You're now the one who goes out and can minister healing to other people, cast out demons, teach the word of God by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're the one with the solution. You're the one with the answers. And we got to believe that. We have to change the way we think so that we're seeing ourselves differently in the word. When you begin to see yourself differently in the word, you'll rightly divide that word. If I go to this word and I see myself as a peasant versus seeing myself as a king, I'll read that word two different ways. I'll read this word two totally different ways. You are rulers. You are seated with the king. You are united with the king. You are not heirs of Jesus. You're heirs of God. That's what the word says. I was reading this the other day, and uh, I was reading somebody uh, taking our messages and they, they put them out for us and they do a great job at that. Um, but even people who are helping us are still getting this fully within their hearts. And I, and I saw they had wrote uh, in, in error where we're heirs of Jesus. Cause that's the same thing I used to say. But then I looked at the word and said, no, 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 we're co-heirs with him and we're heirs of God. So if I am a co-heir, just like a co-owner, that means me and this other individual uh, have equal ownership and equal rights to whatever it is we're co-owning. Jesus has rights, obviously, to the power of God. Amen? He has rights to that resurrection power. But now, when you were raised with him and seated with him, so do you. Why are you saying this over and over again? Because we got to get this into our heads. We got to get this into our hearts. And so if I am a co-heir, if I am an inheritor of the power of God, then guess who I need to be spending more time with concerning his power? God, Jehovah, the Father. 
Some people say, well, I'm, I'm, I can't hear the voice of God, uh, and, and I don't understand why. I'm going to say something bold, and, and it's going to, uh, you know, probably make some people mad, but they'll be all right. Amen. The question is, is are you even trying to hear from God, or are you still just trying to hear from Jesus? Ooh, wait, Archie, now you're messing with Jesus, you know. And it, no, 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 no. I'm saying Jesus has a, had a responsibility. He had a job that he was doing, but now that job is done, and now he is indeed our advocate, and we are united with him. We're joined with him, but now God speaks to us the same way he did Jesus. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do his job, we will continue to ignore him trying to hear Jesus. So what the church did is the church went back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to try to hear Jesus. And then we begin to read the teachings of Jesus and say, now that's what God wants us to do right now. And Dr. Dollar's done a masterful job at helping us explain that in, in part of Jesus' ministry, he was obviously coming to fulfill the law, but then he was also coming to help people understand, listen, uh, you're not going to be able to do this. So, so you've been trying to make sure you don't commit adultery with a woman and maybe you pass that quote-unquote test, but he said even if you think about a woman the wrong way, you've done the act. And, and, and so then people will go and look at that and say, oh, so I need to make sure I do everything he said. He was talking to people who didn't have him. So if you go and try to live by those words, some of those words exactly, you'll find yourself off. You got to go and locate where were the people who had Christ. That's after Acts. And then, and, and you know, as we all know, Paul wrote the majority of that. And then start reading what was Paul telling us to do? How was Paul telling us to live? Are you saying I, I shouldn't go by what Jesus said? I'm saying you need to make sure you're rightly dividing the word of truth and making sure that you're sitting in the right audience. Because he was talking to a very specific audience and you're not a part of that audience any longer. He was talking to an audience that did not have him. He was talking to an audience that was broken. He was talking to an audience that was Jewish and trying to fulfill the law. And you're not Jewish and trying to fulfill the law. You're no longer broken. You're no longer sinners. So, yeah, I'm actually saying that the majority of what was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not for the actual believer to try to live by. It is definitely, obviously, uh, tons of stuff in there to, to understand and to grow and everything like that. But to literally try to live by what he was telling people at that time, you'll find yourself in error. And that's what's happened to the church. So we got to go back and we got to read that word again and we got to see what was he saying. And there's good stuff all throughout there. What was it in? I think it was in Luke when he was telling the people um, that he's given them power, you know, to cast out demons and to do this, that, and the other. I'm not saying going back and looking at scriptures like that to understand that I got power. But I still want you to see yourself as the right person in the story. Yes, you have power like the disciples did, but you actually have the guy, who, the, sorry, the God who gave them the power. He lives on the inside of you and he's united with you. That's how much power you got. They didn't even have him in them. But just by his word, it gave them authority to cast out demons. You have him in you and you have his word. How much authority do you have? 
But just to look at myself as a disciple only in, 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 in that story context, then I will see that, oh, I got, I got power to cast out demons because Jesus said so. But then I don't realize that, wait, I have the Jesus who said it on the inside of me. And that's where, what I want us to understand is the, the, the level of authority you have is so much more than just waiting to um, receive permission. Waiting to receive, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not the anointing. It's, it's waiting to receive the call, if you will. The permission to say, now you can go and do this. It's already on the inside of you. He's already gave us the great commission, which gives us all permission to go out and minister to this world the gospel of grace. You don't need any priest, any preacher, or anyone else to give you permission, authority, and power to go out and do God's work. You already have it all. So then, what comes next? Well, I got to believe that. I got to receive that, and I got to change my mindset so I can actually do it. And that's what we were talking about in order to, uh, well, well, let me properly walk into that. So that's where I got this whole thing from that if I want to now live right, I have to understand all of this and understand I'm a ruler and actually rule right. I'm no longer looking at right living as I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. I go to church, I give, I do this, that, and the other. All of that is what I should be doing anyway. That's a part of right living, but that's all we've made right living up to be up to this point, is am I acting right for the sake of me feeling like I'm holy? How many of you guys know it's time to mature beyond that? There's so much more than that. Jesus wasn't concerned about, did I, did I just give today? Did I show up at the synagogue today? Did I not curse anybody out today? Show me where Jesus was concerned with all of that. All of that stuff was settled. He literally walked out right living by walking as one above all, all of that stuff and, and walking in his sonship, if you will, and ministering love. That's what I mean by right ruling. Right ruling is simply carrying out your ministry of love. Carrying out your ministry that shares God's love with everyone. That's how you rule right on this earth. That's how you live right on this earth. As you are connected with the Holy Ghost and he's ministering to you on a regular basis, it's inevitable. Love is the inevitable result. Your words are going to be love. Your actions are going to be love. And that's what happened with Jesus. He was spending all that time downloading from God via the Holy Spirit, and love was just the results. He didn't spend time getting caught up in self because when you get caught up in self, that's when love is not going to be your results. All of a sudden, self-preservation kicks in. Self-concern, self-awareness. I don't know if I got that much time, Lord, to go do that on Thursday night. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I got that much time, Lord, to go do that on Saturday. I don't know. I don't know if I got that much money, Lord, to sow that uh, on Sunday. I, I, I don't know. We begin to allow the entrance of doubt and unbelief when we focus on self. But when we strictly just say, Holy Spirit, what am I supposed to do? God, what is your will? He's going to give us love, responsibility, and then we have the ability to carry that out. And that's what having the mind of Christ at the end of the day is all about. Amen? 
So I gave, I gave everybody four uh, overall things that we had to do to uh, rule in this manner that we're talking about. The number one thing was we had to be mature. We had to be mature. To rule requires maturity. We talked about the fact that um, before we were saved, we were slaves to sin. But then once we were saved, we moved from uh, being slaves to sin to then being children of God. And I pointed out the fact that while we are indeed children of God, the scripture is very clear that even though I'm a child, I literally have Christ in me. I am an inheritor of the power of God, but I am not yet an operator. Somebody says, well, I don't know about that, Archie. You got to show me that in the word. Okay, I'm glad you said that. Uh, let's look at it together. Let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, we'll go to this one first, three, 1 Corinthians 3, chapter 2. Uh, you know, no, 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 let's, let's get that one. Uh, let's go to Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 13. Ephesians 4, 13, and we'll look at a verse. Yeah, all the way up to 16, 4, 13 through 16. Ephesians 4. Mm -hmm. Y'all blessed tonight? Amen. Is that the right one? Oh, for a second. oh yeah, yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, it says, I'm going to start, and what y'all got up there? NLT? I'm going to slide around here and read that one. It says, This will continue until we all come to such unity in our what? Faith. <laughs> faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be what? Mature, there's that word, in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Verse 14. It says, then we will no longer be immature. So these aren't words I'm just making up. We'll no longer be immature like what? Children. Now, we were slaves unto sin, but now we're no longer slaves. We're his children. But there's a growth process and a maturity that has to happen. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Uh, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. How do I know you're mature? Yeah, I'm speaking the truth. In love. Now, when you study out that word truth right there, it literally talks about truth concerning true doctrine. Our true doctrine is indeed the gospel of grace. Amen? So are you ministering and speaking that gospel, that true doctrine, and then doing so in love? Because you're not going to speak anything you're not believing, first of all. So do you believe? The gospel of grace. Are you speaking it? Are you teaching it? If you're doing that and then doing it in love, according to this, you're maturing. Growing in every way more and more, there's your goal, like Christ. There we go. I want to be more like Jesus. Speak truth and love. You know, speaking the truth and love doesn't mean going off on somebody and being honest with them. That's what we, we call it. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I'm going to tell them about themselves. No, that's not what that's talking about. 
We, again, we've misinterpreted and we're misusing scripture. They be talking about everybody. I got something to say to them now. Bible says speak the truth in love, so I love them. And I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice about it, but I'm going to tell them the truth. No, no, no. Are you going to now listen to the Holy Ghost and figure out what does he have to say to that person? How is he going to use the gospel of grace to minister to that individual? Because that's what that's talking about. And it takes a mature person to not sit there and go off on somebody. It takes a mature person not to make this all about them, but instead to make it all about that person and their father. Amen? She said, if you're doing that, then you're growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. The thing we got to understand as we're maturing is we are not our own. We are his body. I'll say that again. We are his body. Where grace did give us freedom, I need you to understand, if you're going to be a ruler, a mature ruler, you're a part of a team. You're a part of a body. And how many of you guys know there's no room in love for people who want to run rogue. We are all a part of the same body and you can't be doing your thing over there and that person doing their thing over there and think we're going to be growing and maturing and actually being the body. How do I know I'm a part of the body? Because I follow the head. The body goes wherever the head tells it to. The head is telling us, the word is telling us, the truth is telling us, grace is telling us what to do. If you're a part of the body, if you want to mature, you now are free to choose to go where he says to go and do what he says to do. Now, he loves you too much to take away your choice. I said he loves you too much to take away your choice. Now, you got to choose whether you're going to be mature or not. Immature Christians won't choose to be a part of the body because kids are selfish. Kids want what they want. What's the famous word for little kids? Mine. Mine, mine, mine. Mine and no. <laughs> no. And that's what some Christians are doing right now. They're 50 years old and, and Holy Spirit saying, go this way. <laughs> no. Go pray for healing for that person. What about my healing? What about my prosperity? What about my new job? And he's literally like, you already have all that. But if you would obey me and follow me, you would run right into every single blessing that is there. See, we've had it slightly backwards and slightly off. We thought obedience created the blessing and created the manifestation for us, if you will. Uh, like it, it literally made healing available, uh, made healing uh, and made the car and made the house and all that type of stuff. No, it just takes you to what's already made. Grace made everything we need. Obedience to his will walks you to it. It's like if I needed a new iPad for what God has called me to do, as long as I obey his will, if the iPad is there and his will says, take one step to the right. Now, if I do not obey, is that iPad still there? 
Oh, it's been made. It's been provided is another word. But if I say, hmm, no, I don't feel like doing that. Because he says on Saturday, on Thursday night at 734, I want you to be in front at the sleep inn. And I want you to get next to that, uh, what is the thing, a table. And then take one step to the right. But if I say, you know what, Lord? Layla got a volleyball game. And I got, I got to be all the way on the other side of town. And you know what? I think, I'm just going to ask Dorothy if she can preach again. And this, that, and the other. And I don't show up. What was there on Thursday night, like he said, what I needed, what he provided. But am I going to have it? And then many times people then say, God's mad at me. I can't hear him. Because we think, because we don't have what he said, we can't hear him. No, you heard him. But because of immaturity, we didn't obey. So that's why we have to begin to change the way we think and say, Lord, regardless of what it is you're telling me to do, I'm going to obey. Because it's not just going to be good for me. I'm going to get what I need. But you're sending me on a mission of love every time you give me directions. So it's going to bless someone else. We have to become so passionate with being a blessing to others. And I don't mean just giving somebody 5 or $10. I mean, if that's what God tells you to do, that's great. But I'm talking about a lifestyle of being blessing, a blessing to others. I'm talking about every time you wake up, every time you step out the door, you're understanding that I'm on a ministry, I'm on a mission of love. And that's what Christ did, amen? Verse 16. It says, he makes the whole body fit together. How? Perfectly, perfectly, as each part does its own special work. In case you were just wondering if we was, this was just about some spiritual stuff. He said, no, you fit together perfectly, and I make you fit together perfectly. I make you fit together perfectly. You see him taking the responsibility? You ain't got to look at what, what I'm supposed to join myself to, Lord, what I'm supposed to get. But he said, just listen to me, and I'll, I'll take responsibility for that. I'll send you where I want you to send you. I'll plug you in where I want you to go. And, I, and it'll be perfect. He says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. You see that? A mature body fitting together. And as you do what you're supposed to do, it helps me grow. As I do what I'm supposed to do, it helps you grow. That's why I don't believe in this thing where, um, uh, help me Otis, say, it, say it, Holy Spirit, pastor worship. No, no, no. You do what you're supposed to do. You're helping me grow. I do what I'm supposed to do. I'm helping you grow. The, the other, the health ministry do what they're supposed to do. They're helping us all grow. We're all helping each other grow. I, I don't mind the, you know, I know divine orders and prerequisites for miracles. I don't mind having uh, the role of pastors in the church leading the way and all this stuff. Don't mind that at all. But again, we have to be careful of this other thing that happens because then the body can end up out of whack. Because you're all looking to the pastors. Amen? Amen. But you got to understand, the pastors are growing too. Amen. We're all growing. And as you do what you're supposed to do, it helps us. But what happens in the church if the pastors are, on our own, are, are the only ones mainly doing the work? Then the other people might be growing, but guess who ain't growing? 
And then we wonder why pastors are, are and, 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 and please, this is going to sound a little morbid, but why they're quitting and why they're killing themselves and why, you've heard about that over and over again now. Why they're all depressed and, and all this type of stuff. Why? Because they're struggling to grow because they're trying to be the body. Or they're trying to be the head. And they're neither by themselves. Christ is the head. They're a part. Somebody say part part of the body. Somebody asked me, well, why are we doing all this as a church? Because you're not doing it. Am I about to kill me? No, ma'am, no, sir. I've been doing ministry, like, look at my watch like it got years on it. I've been doing ministry now for, <laughs> for 20, 24 years. Technically, it's longer than that, but 24 years. And, and I've done tons of outreach and tons of stuff. And, and again, it's not about ringing my own bell or whatever like that. And it's not like I'm done. I've done enough. I'm done. I'm just saying, been there, done that as the one who's not leading everything. So I know what it requires. I know what it takes. But at the same time, I don't have an itch to try to be Superman. That's been scratched, and I failed at it. <laughs> it's like, oh, this takes a body. This takes a team. And so what I learned was, okay, Lord, we got to slow down, back up, teach the people so that the body can mature together and then we can go out together. I'd rather it take us eight years to figure this out, but then when we go out, we healthy, we mature, and we can't be stopped. And that's what's happening. Over the last two years, God has been teaching us, if you didn't notice, I mean, all last year we talked about the Holy Spirit. And man, it messed some people up. Because we started talking about how to hear from God. This whole thing about introducing the, the, the rightly dividing what Jesus' role is and what the Holy Spirit did. You know, y'all know we started that last year. And some people got mad. <gasps> he said, I can't pray to Jesus. Well, I didn't say that. I just said that the Holy Spirit is actually the one who is doing the communicating with you. And he has a role. And if you're not listening to him, you're going to be off. That was what last year's message was. And now we're talking about knowing God. And the importance of knowing God has now led us to, if I can know him, then I'll know of him and who he is and his love, and I'll start properly seeing myself. And it's all leading up to, wait a minute, I have the 100% responsibility on this earth that Jesus had. Did you guys say had? Somebody say had. had. He's not physically here anymore, is he? No, he's in you. And so now our positioning begins to change in our minds and we begin to say, I have a job to do. I have work to do. It says, so that the, body, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Love. Full of what? Love. A body that's healthy and growing is full of what? Love. Why does that body need to be full of love? Because mm -hmm. that's what you got to give out. That's what we got to give out. You, you, you get ready because you're about to hear about love, 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 the, the love of God. Love, 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 love. That's your life flow. That's your blood. That's your DNA. That's your ammunition. That's, that's, that's what we got to give is his love. 
We're going to talk about what that looks like, what that sounds like. Uh, uh, how does that interpret into different ways and means? Because we've just been trying to look to give out good, godly activity. I'm going to give you this anointing. No, your anointing is based on his love. You're anointed when you're loving folks. I can't sit up here and preach to you without loving you. Oh, somebody... I got to be up here in God's love. I can't be mad at this person, mad at this person, got a problem with this person, and I'm preaching at this person, and think it's going to be anointed if it's not founded and full of and based in love. That means every believer has to do a heart check and a gut check before they try to get up and go and serve him. All the grudges and all that stuff have to be dropped and left at the door. All the forgiveness has to be given so that God can operate through you. Without that, and we're still talking about maturity, by the way. Without that, his power, it's not that it's not available. It just can't flow through a dam that's been shut down. Love breaks through that, but it has to be allowed. And mature people allow love to flow. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's look at this in 1 Corinthians uh, 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we'll look at verse 11. Are you getting something out of this? Y'all getting me Thursday night special. <laughs> First Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I did what? And I what? And what else? It's interesting. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. And I reasoned. I deduced stuff. I broke stuff down in my mind. I saw stuff as a child. But when I grew up, somebody say grow up. I put away childish things. Now, for a little context, 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter talks about what? Love. There's no coincidence that you find this scripture about maturing right in the middle of the love chapter. He's saying, listen, love won't fail. He says that a couple of chapters, uh, a couple of verses right before. But he's saying only immature and childish people don't walk in love. If I want to rule on this earth, and, and ruling, by the way, is simply serving. We looked at that in Philippians uh, 2, having the mind of Christ. So if I want to rule, and that's actually a pretty important point. We're going to go there here in a second. But if I want to rule on, on this earth, I have to grow up. And if I'm going to grow up, I have to be walking in love. Now, but some people think walking in love is being a punk. No, 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 no. It's not being a punk. That's the most powerful thing you can do is to walk in love. I'm not going to let nobody take advantage of me. Hmm. Here's what I would say to that. Number one, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. He's going to never make sure that you lose. Amen. My security in walking in love, to be honest with you, because those thoughts will come to mind. I don't want anybody to take advantage of me. But my security comes in the fact that the Holy Spirit told me to do it, and God 
who is love never fails. So if I'm listening to a perfect person and a perfect power, as long as I do it, I'm good. I can't fail walking in love. Amen? Amen. But the mind, some, that sometimes that immature mind gets in there and says, no, you better not do that because they're going to take advantage of you. No, the advantage will be taken if you disobey. You don't know what God is going to do. Some of you think you've seen the miraculous and you think you've seen uh, amazing things. Wait until you start walking in his mature agape love. You're going to see things that you couldn't even imagine. He says, when I grew up, I put away childish things. It's time to put away the childish things. It's time to put away the toys of selfishness, the toys of insecurity, the toys of uh, uh, lack, the toys of demanding your way, and instead saying, Lord, I'm here, and I'm ready and willing to do whatever it is you have called me to do. Go with me to Philippians uh, chapter 2. We'll look at verse 1. Somebody say, I'm maturing in Christ. Amen. gracious. All right, Philippians 2, 1. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Somebody needs to write that down. Just say, is my heart tender and compassionate? You might need to write it on your mirror just every day you wake up. Is my heart tender and compassionate? Why is that important? Because as I go out into this world every day, I'm going to see many opportunities that's going to require tenderness, that's going to require passion. Because those are the attitudes that we must have. Those are the characteristics we must have to now be ready to be conduits of his love. What's the, what's the opposite of tender? Hard. What's a hard-hearted person? That's a person who's not receiving from the Holy Spirit. He's trying to speak to your mind, but you're not receiving it. It's hard, and so nothing ain't getting through that hard head. <laughs> a hard heart is just a hard head, and a hard head is a closed head. Amen? Uh, verse 2. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Agreeing with each other, loving one another, and what? Working together with what? One mind and purpose. Guys, I wish you were saying get rich this and get rich that and get rich this and get healed that and da 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 da. But you see what he's saying to do? He's not focusing on the money. He's not focusing on healing. He's not focusing on all these things. Can somebody tell me why? Yeah, for the mature believer, all that's done. See, we don't like to read these scriptures a lot of times because it doesn't say all of that. I want to be reminded of a, that's what you're supposed to be spending time with Christ. I'm sorry, with, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And he'll be reminding you of who you are and all that and what you got. 
But you look in the word, Paul is very specific. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. He's saying, listen, y'all supposed to be working together and loving each other. Let's keep going. Verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. As better than yourselves. As worth more attention, worth more time, worth more investment than you are. Verse 4. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Keep going. You must have the same, there it is, attitude that Christ Jesus had. Christ Jesus looked at us and didn't consider himself. He didn't look out for his own interests. Having people drive nails through your hands and feet, beating you to where you don't even look like a human being. That's, that's not looking out for your own interests, for people who you're dying for in the first place. Imagine you knowing that you're dying for the person who has the whip in their hand is ripping the flesh off your back. That's ripping the flesh off of your inner thigh. Imagine knowing that you're dying for the person that's spitting on you as you're carrying a cross and the sun is stinging all of the open wounds on your back. Imagine knowing that you're dying for the person who stabs you in the side with a large spear and that you have the power to kill them all. But you don't do it. Imagine being God and limiting yourself to time and space to the, to the oh Jesus, to the men and women who want to talk about you by putting yourself into an earth suit and coming to earth. Imagine, that's what he did. God, this was God in the flesh, right? God put himself in a body. He didn't exist in time and space. He didn't know pain. He didn't know none of that type of stuff. And he literally subjected himself to all of that for us. He slowed down to come into time and space. And then he put himself into a physical body to operate on earth to save us. That's the attitude of Christ. He was willing to do all of that. Sitting up there and having Sadducees and Pharisees question him. Told him he was demon possessed. God, who was in the flesh, also known as Jesus, was told by some people that he, the creator, was demon possessed. And he didn't just. <laughs> Do you understand the love that was required to put up with that for those three years? Some of us can't put up with somebody just talking back to us. Amen. Amen. But this is the love that is now on the inside of you. And though you may snap on somebody and go off on somebody and want to smack somebody, that same spirit that raised them from the dead, that same Christ who did all that he did on earth is now on the inside of you and he is empowering you with that same love. So don't try to love people through your love. Love them through his love that's already been proven. Yeah. I, I don't know how to talk to them because 
I just want to cuss them all out. I do too. I understand that. But then what I got to do is I got to say, Holy Spirit, you talk because you got the right words. Somebody told me, uh, uh, oh, this is a couple of years ago. They were like, man, Pastor Archie, you're so, you're so calm and da, 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 you know, even when mistakes happen and stuff. And if they only knew, that's the Holy Ghost. Boy, back then, especially, I was cussing everybody out of my head. Just because I used to be a professional. I used to be really good at cussing. It just felt good. You know what I'm saying? It was like a release. And man, when we first got going, man, stuff would happen and I'd just be like, and I said, man, I got I to gotta, I gotta grow. Because I remember being in the world and working and, and I wouldn't cuss people out in the natural, but I would talk to people and just kind of rip them apart as a manager and as a leader out in the world. And, and it, it was common for by the time I got done talking, grown people walking out of my office or out of my presence crying and stuff like that. And it wasn't that I enjoyed that. I just want to be thorough in my conversation with you. And so, and then, and then I realized, man, that's, that's, that's not getting, getting the results I need to get. And so I said, Holy Spirit, you got to help me. And then, man, what began to happen? And Pastor Melissa talks about it all, all the time. She said, man, you'll be all frustrated, you know, and you're telling me kind of how you really feel, but then you get in front of the people and it just comes out in love. And, and that, that's, that don't just happen. That's from spending time with the Father and yielding yourself to him and saying, Christ, I want to have the same attitude you have. It's impossible for me to get up before people and go off on anybody because I'm not doing the talking. You hear what I said? I'm not doing the thinking. I'm not doing the reasoning. Some people say, I don't know why, or I don't know how you thought of that. I didn't think of it. I don't know why you're still leaving that person in place. I'm not. I'm not operating by my own reasoning. To operate by my own reasoning would be childlike. But to operate by his reasoning, he says, put that person in place. He says, keep this going. He says, change this. He says, don't change that. The natural me says, huh, that's what you want to do? Consider it done. I don't even question it no more. And man, you know what? It works out every time. It works out every time. There's nothing in my life that's failing because I'm trusting God every step of the way. And I don't say that to brag. By no means am I saying that to brag. I didn't even realize it until right now when I just said it. But there's nothing in my life that's failing. There's challenges that happen in every part. But am I failing? Uh-uh. Why? Because I'm sticking to his attitude. And his attitude is one of compassion. His attitude is one of caring for others. His attitude is one of love. And if you stick in that, failure is not even not an option. It's not a possibility. You want to walk in impossibility? Walk in love. In every area of your life. Amen? Verse 6. It says, though he was, and he's talking about Jesus. It said, though he was God, though he was who? God. So just in case you didn't believe when I said God put himself in the earth suit, it's not equating Jesus to God. He said, though he was God, he, def he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. That wasn't his crutch. You know I'm God. You know I'm God, right? You know I'm God. You know I'm the pastor. You know I'm the boss. You know I'm the this, that, and other. Some people cling to those titles and all of that type of stuff as the crutch to this is why I'm about to get out of love. 
This is why I'm about to be selfish. This is why I'm about to demand something from you when I could really be serving you right now. Do you know that giving somebody another chance is part of serving them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's part of serving. I could go off on you right now. I could fire you. I could divorce you. I could leave you. I could beat you. I could do whatever else like that. But you know what? Love is required to give somebody another opportunity. Aren't you? I hear you, but, but what if they take advantage? Now you're in fear. Now you're in doubt. How many chances has grace given you? That's where I start every single time I'm making that decision. I say, how many chances has grace given me? Not the things everybody knows about. I'm talking about the stuff that nobody knows about. How many times, how many, how many times should grace just have taken you out of here if, if that's what grace did? So afford that same love to someone else. Uh, verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Do you see that? He gave up all his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now, we understand that word slave is equating to the fact that um, he took on the form of man. And man was indeed uh, born into sin if you came from the seed of a man. So he took on the position or the form of a slave, but he was not born into sin. Can somebody tell me why? Because he came through the seed of God and not through the seed of a man. So God bypassed the sin process by saying, you're going to come from my seed and then be born from a woman. But had the seed of a man got involved, sin would have been involved. It says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. See, now, now right here, guys, this is what we need to be doing. We're, we're, we're not God. We're, we're, we're little G God, but we're not God the Father. We're not Jehovah, you know what I mean? But we now are here on, here on earth with Christ in us. So now we have to make the choice to humble ourselves like he did in obedience to God, but we don't have to die the criminal's death on the cross. Why? Because he already did that. But what we do have to do is every day we have to die to self. Our death is different. We don't have to die spiritually. Thank Jesus, because we all be in hell. We, we do understand that these physical bodies one day will return to the dust. That's not a big deal, not an issue. This death is a death right here. Letting that old man go, dying to self and embracing the fact that we are new creations in Christ and that our souls be renewed so that we will make the decision to obey God. We're talking about maturity for rulership. And as we do that, we'll find ourselves being like Christ. Verse 9. It says, therefore, God did what? Elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Now, we're seated with Christ, but we don't have his name. 
I understand that. Because I was looking at that, I was like, well, wait, shoot. When he elevated him, we got elevated too, which we did. Because we're, we're united with Christ. But Jesus is Jesus. See, that's how you don't pull away from who Jesus is. You're not taking away who Jesus is. You're just united with him. But Archie is Archie. Jesus is Jesus. Amen? But we are united spiritually, and we are one, and we're seated with him. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should what? Bow. Where? In heaven and on earth and under the earth. So where am I at? I'm on earth with Christ in me. So I have that authority in me. And anything on this earth that's bowing to him, guess what? Those demons got to bow, bow to me. Those spirits got to bow to me. Those wickedness got to bow to me. I have the authority because I have him. Amen? So that, that's all to say, so there's nothing to fear. Poverty can't do nothing to you. Sickness can't do nothing to you. Strife can't do nothing. All those spirits, they, they, can't, they, they can't touch you. And, all, and the only thing that should be doing for you guys, by the way, Understanding that those things can't touch you should be making you freer to love. That shouldn't be like, how can I say? That shouldn't be making you feel better to know, whoo, okay, because I thought I was under attack and I thought I was going to just fall to the enemy. No, 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 that, I, I get that thinking, but that's the immature old way of thinking because you're still looking at you trying to get what God gave you already, what Christ provided already. Now you should be getting to the point to say, wait, those things can't touch me. So when I go out to walk in love, I don't have to worry about anything. When God tells me to go pray for the person who has HIV or has AIDS, I don't have to worry about sickness getting on me. So it makes me bolder to love. When God tells me to sow, I don't have to worry about poverty or lack hitting my household because that's under my feet like it's under Jesus' feet. So I sow with confidence. When God tells me to give a word or he tells me to preach or he tells me to do whatever, um, uh, me being put to shame or embarrassed is not a possibility. So I go and preach with boldness. I go and speak with boldness and with confidence and I express his love in boldness. You see what I'm saying? So all of these things being under your feet are, are not just to help you understand that you have the victory, but it's to help you understand, help build your confidence and your boldness to go out and confidently share his love. Are you seeing that? Yes. Amen. All right. Um, that Jesus Christ is Lord uh, to the glory uh, of God the Father. Uh, next, next one. It says, dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important then what does he say there? Work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. What's the results of your salvation? All the victory that you got. He said work hard to show those results. To who? Yeah, why? So they'll want what you got. You're not working hard to show me your results. I got the same results. Yeah, good job. We're, we're high-fiving each other every Sunday. Woo, you, you saved. Woo, you prosperous. Woo, you healed. Woo, you but the world is sitting out there broken and without. And when you come and say, look at what God has done in my life, they're like, how can I get that? You got any more of that, that grace? You got any more of that salvation? You got any more of that healing? 
It's like the movie, I'm going to get you sucker. You know, forget the cup. Just, just pour it in my hand. Just can I get a little bit? One rib. One, one, one prayer. One, one, one breakthrough. One something. But when we're just ministering to each other, we're excited. We rejoice with each other. But I don't, I don't need what you got because I, I got the same thing. Amen? It says, so work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And that doesn't mean being afraid of God, scared that he's going to get something, but that means with deep reverence, honoring him, taking seriously what he's saying. This is all how we start to change our mindset so that we can mature in him. And I'm telling you, for any believer that makes the decision that this is the way they're going to live, that's a believer that's now going to find themselves walking victoriously every day of their lives. Right living is right ruling. And right ruling is ruling by the love of God. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for that. Amen. Well, Father God, we thank and praise you again for this uh, evening. And Lord, we thank you uh, for your word. Uh, we thank you for uh, just the security that you provided us on tonight uh, in being mature in your word, mature in your love. Uh, Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us and, and bring this message to life as we grow in you learning how we should govern and rule as we live everyday life. We thank you for the opportunity to be your righteousness, for the privilege uh, to be saved. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes from it. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. 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 Let's give God one more hand clap of praise. Well, we love you guys, and we'll be continuing right on with this on Sunday, so get ready. It's going to be fun. Amen. Amen. Let's give Pastor Archer a hand clap for that word. Amen. Were you blessed tonight? Hallelujah. Well, it's time to give our tithes, offers, and gifts of love tonight. Amen. Are y'all ready to give? You know we always give by way of text here at this location. It's always a secure way of doing it. And we always give. And remember that whenever we give, we're sowing into the word that we've received tonight. Amen. It's not about sowing to give, but it's about sowing to receive based on the word that we've received tonight. Are y'all ready to give? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we do thank you for this opportunity to sow our seeds tonight. We give to you because we love you, oh God. We thank you that you've already provided everything that we need, that we're already blessed. But Father God, we thank you that our seeds will be sown into good ground. It will produce the fruit that is needed in Jesus' name. We call it blessed. Every need we have is met. We're debt free and more to put in store in Jesus' name. We honor you and give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Right before we dismiss, just want to make sure that if you're here tonight, you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. We would like to talk with you and pray with you right after we dismiss tonight. Or perhaps you may be here tonight, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave without getting receiving that tonight. Or perhaps you're here tonight, you say, I would like to become a member of this ministry. I believe this is where God wants me to be. We'll be happy to talk to you about that as well. If you would just hang around with us for a couple of minutes right after we dismiss, we'll be glad to talk with you and pray with you about any one of those three appeals. Amen. All right, let's please stand for our benediction. Father God, we thank you 
thank you for your word. Thank you that we know where our place is in Jesus' name. And we are heirs, oh God, co-heirs with, with Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that we're in our right place, taking our right stand in Jesus' name. Now, Father, as we leave this place tonight, traveling grace is ours as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You are dismissed.